ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode two of In the Bag. Brad, it is a pleasure to be here with you. How's the week been for you, man? Dude, this week's been great. We had the opening of the store. It was wild. There's people around the whole building and everything, and it, it was great. And this week has been, you know, just getting everything caught up in the in the shop and in the warehouse. It's been cool. And let's talk about this. Hey, everybody listening out there, thank you so much for, like, the overwhelming, awesome support that you gave us Um we're blown away. We're extremely humbled by it. And we're so glad that we can bring you something that you really loved and I guess really needed, you know. So I don't know how you feel about that, Robbie, but I was just blown away. Absolutely. I just sitting there and thinking to myself, like, you know, it's the classic. We threw it out there. And I think we had talked about like, yeah, you know, right. what if a thousand people listen? That would be nuts. And we were then, just hoping for a thousand. That was just like, that would be like the mountaintop for us. So thank you guys for listening and all the messages that we got. We have made an intake form for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way we can make sure that we are bringing guests on and we're getting a variety of content for you. We don't right, want this to be important. the same people every week answering the same problems because as good as the felon, you know, and the Raptor are, we can't recommend them every week. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, that's going to be great. Like Robbie said, we're going to really try to get some variety for everybody. There's a ton of problems I know that I face all the time with my beginner bag, and I'm sure you all are that way too. So we want to really give you some variety here and really talk about, uh, like today, you know, not to spoil this episode, Robbie, but there's something that I learned that was not intentional in this uh, episode, if you will, by throwing the disc that you recommended. But I'm like, wow, I don't have the shot in my bag at all. And I really kind of need it. And I didn't know that I needed it until I went out and threw these discs. So I'm excited for you all to hear the episode. Um, but before we jump into it, a uh, word from our sponsor today. You asked for it and they listened. Our friends at Manscaped just relaunched the Ultra Smooth Package. It's back, baby. Your new favorite tool and complement to the Lawnmower 4.0 to keep your boys smooth while looking and feeling their best. This specialized groin shaving kit is here to help you buff, protect, and shave your most sensitive areas. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you from Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code in the bag. The legends who introduced the electric ball hair trimmer are back to bring you a razor so it can be set and trimmed front to back. Men, you no longer have to borrow your lady's razor for that precise trim. And Robbie, let's be honest, it's rough down there. Nicks, ingrown hairs, hard to reach places. It's not great. It's dangerous. But hey, Manscaped's got a solution for us. Step one, grab that handy lawnmower 4.0. Give your boys that classic trim to your liking. Get the loose hairs out of the way and take out the Manscaped Ultra Smooth package to make your package the perfect package this summer. Uh, Step number two. Crop exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin and around and on your groin feeling fresh. The crop exfoliator can reduce the risk of ingrown hairs and in all those delicate places. Step three, crop gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin with four essential oils. It's just like a spa treatment every time you shave. And step four, it's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades with extra wide lubricated strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. If that's not a tongue twister, I don't know what is, Robbie. (laughs) The crop shaver is not your average razor. It's smaller, thicker, with a micro bar combo that allows the best shave possible from any angle. Beach balls are meant to be smooth, and now yours can be too, Robbie. 
All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, sulfate-free products are included so you know that manhood is in good hands and without compromise. It's time to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job, the ultra-smooth package from Manscaped. Robbie, honestly, I have one of these, uh, the Lumber 4.0, game changer. If you don't have one, guys out there, make sure you take advantage of this 20% off with Manscaped. Yeah. Just remember, y'all, you get 20% off plus free shipping with code in the bag at manscaped.com. That is 20% off. Save yourself all them dollars plus free shipping with code in the bag at manscaped.com. Smooth out your fellows with the relaunched ultra smooth package for the fellas over at manscaped.com. Trust me, y'all, your balls will thank you. Now, speaking of thanks, let's dive into today's guests. All right, we have with us Sean McCormick. Sean, how are you doing today, dude? I'm doing really good, Robbie. I, uh, I'm working today. I'm in the office, so um, could be a little better, but uh, hey, it is what it is. Hey, hey I, you you're know, on the they podcast tell- now. You're exactly. On podcast We're on the podcast. Now. We're doing disc golf. It's good times. It is good So, time. Sean, you have a bit of a history with uh, Foundation Disc Golf, so give us like a 20-second, let us know your connection to Foundation. Okay, so the first connection I'd say would, would be you, Robbie. I mean, I've known you for a long time, since college. You're not connected with Foundation, but I guess what a lot of people know me for is the April Fool's prank that my wife pulled. Let's um, go. A brief synopsis of that would be I played in my first tournament in Birmingham on April 2nd and my wife and my best friend Jacob pranked me by setting up a fake interview from somebody from Foundation and they name dropped Robbie and I was like I totally bought into it and set up the interview and uh, came to find out that it was my wife Lacey uh, set it up and so she pulled a fa- she pulled a fast one on me. It was uh, well, so good. Kudos to her. She she really pulled it off. Her and my friend. Yeah. So when I reached out to Sean to say, "Hey, do you want to be on this podcast?" I had to be very clear that it was me reaching out and that it was not indeed a prank this time. So Sean, grateful that you trusted us. Grateful you're here, man. We're going to jump right into your bag, but before we do that, we want to give a little player profile so people know the kind of player that you are. Uh, you mentioned you played your first tournament April 2nd, so that gives us, honestly, a great insight already of, okay, we're stepping into the competitive scene of things. Uh, a couple questions for you. How far would you say is your golf distance, like, a controlled shot for you? I'm not the longest thrower. I would say somewhere between 315, 330. Okay, Pretty- awesome. It's great. Do you have a forehand as well? So I'm kind of weird. Um, it's backwards. So like my backhand is like 315-ish golf distance. My forehand is way better than my backhand. So okay. golf, a forehand is somewhere around 350. Okay. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, All right. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, so with that in mind, another quick question. How long have you been playing overall? So I started playing in 2019, um, so about three years to the day almost. Okay, awesome. And then for putts, if you were, if you had 10 putts from 15, 10 putts from 25, and 10 putts from 40 feet, how many of those are you making? 
totally depends. I could be the best putter on the planet, or I could not make anything. Um, I'd say 10, 15 feet, probably seven or eight. And then huh? 30 feet, I think is what you said. Probably hitting 50. No, not 50%. Probably like 30%, if I'm being honest. Um, 40 feet, hitting the basket maybe two or three times. Maybe making one or two. Okay, okay. Just if the friends are razzing you enough, that's what you can will it into the basket kind of a deal? I get plenty of razzing. Okay. Uh, and then last question before we dive into the bag, we have uh, what would you say is the greatest strength of your game? Um, I would say my upshots anywhere between 150 and in. I'm pretty solid. I'm like I said, I'm not the furthest thrower in my group, but not even by a long shot. Um, but I'm able to score pretty well within 150 feet. Okay. I love it. I love it. Well, what we're going to do is we are going to throw the uh, graphic on the screen for our people listening for, or watching on the YouTube video for those who Thank are you, listening. Silas. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Silas, for throwing it up there. And for those listening, uh, we have a bag set up here for Sean. Sean's got 19 discs in his bag and it's pretty well spread out. And already uh, there are a couple things that jump off the page for me in terms of, you have some duplicates. We're going to spend a lot of time on your mid ranges. And so I don't want to jump in there yet. You mentioned upshots are a strength of yours. Are, so walk me through your putters. You've got a Challenger SS, a Tomb, and a Zone that you have for throwing putters, I believe. Walk me through what are kind of the purposes of the Tomb and the Challenger SS. So the Challenger SS um, has been in my bag for a little while. It's extremely beaten in. So it goes, it goes really straight with a little pop of hyzer. Um, I don't throw it as often. Maybe if I'm lucky once around. So it's really not serving that big of a purpose right now. Um, I've had the tomb in my bag for probably about four or five months. And I throw that thing religiously. It, it flies like a mid-range. Um, I throw it off mostly... Any hole within 180, about 250, I'm throwing it. Okay. Uh, pretty straight with a little bit of finish. Um, and then my zone, as you know, forehand, backhand, get out of trouble shots. Um, I'm throwing it a few times around, at least. Okay. And what plastic is your zone in? Just remind us. Z plastic. Z plastic. Okay. Is it? It's not one of the like get freaky Z flexes, is it? No, it's, I think it's like a 2019 Great Lakes Open. So. Okay. Love it. Okay. So with that, with that reliable forehand approach, I, I really, I think that you've got a good selection there. And I honestly, I love the fact that you have this tube as a throwing putter that you can use for those controlled distance shots. And also you, you mentioned it flies like a putter or it flies like a mid range, but throws like a putter. Uh, walk me through kind of that process a little bit. Let's let's talk about, do you feel like you have to hit it hard to get it to go that 250, or do you really feel like you're throwing it like a putter and it just soars to that 250-ish range? Well, it's pretty shallow, so and I like, I like shallower putters because I can really get a good grip on it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't have to put too much power on it to get that full flight. 
versus like a mid-range or a fairway driver. I really have to put some pop into it. And I don't have the best form. So <laughs> um, those, those slower... Do I. Don't feel bad. Those slower speed discs really, um, really shine for me because I don't have to put 100% power into it. Yeah, absolutely. Brad, do you have a putter that you throw like a, a Roach or a Luda that fills that slot for you? Yeah, so I'm mainly, if I'm throwing a throwing putter and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put zones in my throwing upshot category, right? So backhand, I'm throwing Challenger OS all day, every day. I love that disc. I recently just put it in. I was throwing just some roaches, but as I'm getting a little bit more power, I feel like I'm flipping them over a lot more often, and it, it requires me to be a little bit more controlled, whereas the uh, Challenger OS, even if I get over on a little too hard or maybe I release a little bit too much on Annie on accident, it's going to come back for me. So it's, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a crutch. I don't know, but it's really throwing well for me. Forehand, that's really the only forehand shot I have that I feel comfortable with is a forehand up shot. And I have three different zones in my bag that I use for that. So that's really what I'm feeling. I don't, I find myself, if I'm having to really throw from outside of 150 feet, I'm probably going to go up to like a mid range, probably for me at this point. Yeah. And that's okay. So what's one thing that I definitely, I just, as I looked at your putter selection, Sean, I think you, you really have nailed it down pretty, pretty well. Uh, I love the double P2s that you're putting with. So just want to pass kudos off to there. Not that we're about to take a downhill turn and be like, all right, now that I've buttered him up, time to roast him. No. Uh, so another thing that I want to talk about is uh, your fairway drivers. So we talked about fairway drivers a lot in the last episode. And then the graphic that the people are going to see on the YouTube is a little modified. Sean also mentioned that you have a vandal in your bag. Uh, so you have two firebirds in your bag. They're the only duplicate, uh, only duplicate disc you have. When Sean originally sent me this list, he said that he bagged a 2015 Sexton firebird, which for those of you who follow anything about disc golf, you might say, wow, Sean, are you rich? But it's not the case. He's not Nate Sexton. He has a 2019 in his bag. Uh, so, okay. Sean, walk me through the differences between your 2019 Firebird and your 2021 Firebird you have? 2021, yep. My 2019, not 15, is pretty beefy. It, um, yeah, it reliably goes left on a backhand and very reliably goes right on a forehand. I can trust it. If I, fl if I do a little flex on it, put some Anheuser on it, I know it's going to come out of that pretty pretty hard. My 2021 is a lot straighter. Um, so if I throw that flat, it's still going to finish, but not as severe as my 2019. So those are more for like tunnel shots that go a little bit left or a little bit right. Um, so, yep. Okay. So in what circumstances you have an essence in your bag and you also have an, I'm guessing your undertaker is like your, your max distance fairway driver disc. Right. So the undertaker, for those of you not familiar, I think it's a unicorn disc when it comes to the disc craft lineup. I think a lot of people could try to replicate it and other manufacturers. If you've never thrown an undertaker, honestly would definitely suggest checking it out. Brad, do you throw an undertaker? 
So I just started putting one in my bag for the fairway. I'm really working that fairway spot that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find something a little flippy for me. And I have a TI Undertaker that's pretty flippy, and I'm really liking it so far. I'm with you. The feel of it, again, I said this on the last episode, the feel's very important to me, and it feels really good in my hand. I was throwing a heat, but that rim is so, it just doesn't feel great in my hand. I could throw it well, but it wasn't comfortable. So, um, yeah, long answer. Yes, I have one in my bag right now. It's in that spot I'm working on right now. I don't know if it's going to stay, but uh, it feels great. Right now it is flipping a little up for me, and going mostly straight with a little finish at the end, which is something I definitely need for those fairway shots. So, Okay. So, Sean, what's interesting to me is that you have the Undertaker, which isn't like an overstable-ish fairway driver. You have your Essence, which definitely isn't an overstable fairway driver. And then you have the Vandal, which is flippy. So where, what, what role does the Essence serve in your bag? So it's a very beaten in essence probably a year and a half okay so it really goes right um and as you know in birmingham like there's not a whole lot of courses that require you to throw a roller besides maybe hole one at clay um yeah so i really throw that essence on a lot of hyzer and i really like it for fair like really tightly wooded holes um, I can really trust it to flip up and turn right and kind of, it still has a little bit of finish, but, um, but yeah, really good turnover shots. Is what I throw so, the, so then what role does your Vandal serve? Not that big of a role at the moment. I don't throw it too often. Take okay. it out. Take it out. <laughs> Yeah, so that's this is this is really going to open up the door for us to kind of talk about it's and we're gonna we're gonna lean into it a little bit later, but it's it is a common thing that I think you hear people say: grab a disc, beat it in, beat it in, beat it in, beat it in, and then it becomes this beautiful. And I already used the word unicorn disc to describe the Undertaker, so I feel like I I have to come up with a different uh, phrase here or a different word. We'll come up with something eventually. It's only episode two, y'all. So let right, us know yeah. in the comments. What is the, like, it's not a unicorn. It's a, narwhals exist. I was going to go that direction. <laughs> but anyways, people, they beat in this disc over and over again. And I get it. I have a disc in my bag. I call it my precious child. It's one of my pigs. It doesn't fly like a pig. It flies very understable, but it has finished because it's a pig. So you have this essence in your bag. That if you lost that essence, let's say you go, you play hole 16 at Inverness is a local course. We have big old pond on the right. Sean gets after it. He throws it. It burns over in the water and his hopes and dreams are down there. Sean, how on a scale of like one to 10, how upset are you by losing that disc? I'm not too upset because I have another essence at home. (laughs) Okay. Does it fly like that essence? No, 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 no. It's still under, it's very understable, but not as understable as that one. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's what, that's what I'm, I'm sort of, we'll put it in a different, a different phrase, different scenario. You're playing a two round tournament. You're new to tournaments. Here we go. Round one, you step up and you know, this is the shot. So you throw that disc, it gets up there and it turns over into oblivion. Oh no. But you only really used it on that hole. But it was the only disc after you playing 15 practice rounds on this course. It was the only one that ever had a remote chance of getting to the basket. Now you've lost it. 
it's gone. I'd be pretty bummed because I got comfortable with that disc. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's key. I want you to keep that thought and that, that phrase in mind. Keep it with us, listeners, because we're going to come back to it when we finish this mid-range. Uh, your drivers, I love your drivers. want to cover those just real fast. Uh, you've got the Enigma, the DD3. feel like they serve similar slots. Is it a difference of wear and tear on which one's more overstable yeah. and which? The Cloudbreaker 2 is very is pretty beaten in. That's primarily my uh, forehand disc. Okay. Enigma, the same thing, kind of just beating it in at the moment. Okay, and then you've got an Xcal in there as your crazy overstable option, I'm guessing. Crazy overstable, yeah, utility disc. Yep, and then the Bastier is your flippy distance? Yeah, that's probably the best disc I throw. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it's pretty straight. Fairly understable. So, yep. The steer is super underrated. So I got very excited when I saw that it was in your bag. Have you Sean, heard what of do you, what do you Sorry, Robbie. Sean, what do you like so much about it? I've never thrown one. So just give, uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only one listening that hasn't thrown it. Give us a little rundown. Why, why do you like that disc so much? So it's got a ton of glide. I think it's a glide six. But it's just one of those discs, like everybody throws the Destroyer or the DD3s, but... I just wanted to grab a disc that not a whole lot of people threw. And that disc has been butter for me for probably two years. It's very beating it, very beaten in. goes very straight for me. We had some technical issues with uh, the last half of Sean's interview. So as you can notice for our YouTube watchers, we're all wearing different clothes now. So we tried to recreate a lot of stuff, but it's going to look a little different and that's okay. But we care about you guys and are so grateful that you're tuned in and listening. So we wanted to come back and shoot the back half to talk about the main focus of Sean's bag, which is mid-ranges. So thank you guys for listening along. Once again, we wanted to own it. Sorry, can't promise it won't happen again in the future, but we're going to do our best to make sure it doesn't. So Brad, are you ready to dive back in? Hey, let's talk about some mid-ranges, Sean. Come on, Sean, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, audio listeners, everything's back to normal. Here we go. Sean, looking at your bag, you have uh, six different mid-ranges in your bag, and I love that you have three of one particular mid-range. So going through them, we have the Gator on the super overstable side, right? Like I'm guessing utility kind of function for you? Yes, only utility. Okay, this is like headwind or I am here and I need to get 90 degrees left or right. Yes, that, that is me pinched off in the woods needing to throw a Hail Mary. So that's love the only it. situation I, I throw it, yeah. Now, do you throw it forehand and backhand? Yes, mainly okay. forehand. I'd yeah. say about 80% forehand, yep. Okay, yeah, backhand, because I feel like backhand probably just like a brick falling out of the sky. Yes, no glide, goes about 100 feet. I love it. I love it. Okay, cool. Classic Gator. So mm -hmm. the uh, the Rock 3 is the next option you have, and you have one of the Hena Blum Bruce. Blum, 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 Blum Bruce. Yeah. Great player champion Rock 3. Here we go. What is, uh, what's the role of that Rock 3 for you? So besides the Gator, that is my most overstable. That's my most throwable overstable midrange. Um Throw it about 240 to 270, pretty solid. Um, I never really throw that full power. It's mainly power down so I can get more control on it. 
But um, like I said, it's just my more overstable mid-range. Okay, awesome, awesome. Uh, and I also, I think it's important to remember, guys, when we're talking about distances, the if I remember it, like, the tomb was your, like, everything 250 is probably your max range with your tomb. Right, yes. So it just shows you the overstability of that Rock 3 is it's not, he's not, when he's throwing it, it sounds like you're not looking for a ton more distance than even your tomb. It's just that specific shot shape of getting to the left. Getting a, yes, you, getting to the left, yeah. Yeah, do you forehand the Rock 3? No, I don't have a mid-range that I typically forehand. It's mainly either my zone or gator or just a fairway driver, like my Firebird. Okay. Ste- step up yep. to those Firebirds. But not yep. 2015. Okay. Not, not the 2015. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, Brad, do you like forehanding mid-ranges? Is that something that feels like a, an afterthought for you as well? Um, before this uh, experiment during the podcast, yes. But oh. uh, as we'll talk about a little later, I know. Stay it's tuned. like you planned this or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, I hadn't really – I mean, again, I know – I'm going to get flamed in the comments for this, but I treat my zone almost like a, a mid range, right? It's an approach, it's an approach disc for me. So um, I'll forehand that all day. But again, when I get out to like that 200 foot range, it's really uh, hard for me between that 200 and 275 range to really forehand a disc at this point, really. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Okay. So let's dive into the, the chariots. You have three chariots, Sean, in your bag. Walk me through the three chariots you have and what, function do they all serve so i'll start off with the two chariots i have duplicates of i have two c blend chariots color glow chariots one is fairly beaten in i've had for about a year or two the other one is very new so it still very much flies like a chariot has a that zero two or zero one finish it'll always finish left the other c blend chariot i have is is laser straight it's not going to go right or left too much it's going to stay on that line or whatever i throw it on and then i have an eye blend tomb that is that more um base plastic so it's my it's my understable chariot it can it can turn i can throw it on hyzer it'll flip up and then turn to the right and get a good bit of glide but it'll still finish out to the left a little bit that's the one i'm trying to beat in at the moment so the other two chariots I don't throw as often, so. Okay, yeah. So, leaning on that one a lot, and then, like I said, a lot of overlap with those two. Uh, and then, you, so you have a, you have a sixth. My math got really hard there for a second, guys. Uh, I don't okay. know why. Yep. You have a six disc in your bag, six mid-range in your bag, and it is an Origin, which is traditionally yep. a very neutral disc. Uh, flies, people try to compare it. it, has the same flight numbers as a Buzz, but that's why we don't really care about flight numbers, because it's certainly, even stock Origins don't really fly like Buzzes. So... Your origin, though, is uh, I can't remember if we had discovered this word at this point before the break, but we're calling it the Griffin disc. (laughs) Unicorn's already taken. (laughs) So this Griffin for Gryffindor, how does this origin fly for you? It goes very right um, on the backhand. So, yeah, it's my most flippy disc by far. I've thrown that thing since day one, probably over two years. Uh, it's my workhorse. I throw that on any tight hole 
throw it on just a lot of angle, and it's going to flip up, go to the right. It's fairly controllable for how flippy it is. Um, but, yeah, I would say it's um, a few more rounds probably going to be out of the bag. <laughs> okay. How flippy okay. it is, yeah. Yeah, so – that is, that's the primary thing that we want to focus on. I love that you have a disc for that shot because that shot alone is something that I feel like a lot of newer players, especially, but even when we move to intermediate players, that straight shot feels like the hardest shot in disc golf, right? Like if you, like you said, you, when you're stepping up to a straight shot, you have a lot of wooded courses in your area, a couple like very, very tight lines required. And you lean on that origin a good bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So if the origin leaves the bag, does that feel like a lot of stress? And you're already asking yourself like, okay, how am I going to attack these holes? Yes, because in order for me to throw it to the right on a backhand, I have to force it over. And then it's typically going to come out of that. And I'm not going to, I'm going to hit the first available tree. Yeah. I can do that. I can do that route or just throw a forehand, but I can't really throw a forehand dead laser straight with a mid range. I'm not that technical. Um, so yeah, it would yeah. leave a huge gap in my bag if I lost that. And it sounds like you kind of know that is a problem, which is possibly, is that why you think you're trying to beat in that eye blend chariot so fast? Yes. yes. That's exactly why. Okay. So besides, besides yeah, the origin, that's my most flippy mid is that eye blend chariot so and like you said it's still not even staying on that fay or that turn it's still finishing so you gotta like you said you gotta hit it hard and so there's a lack of confidence i'm sure that that brings of okay like even if i get on top of this thing which you're not when you're in the woods y'all you're not trying to do that right uh like (laughs) no one's trying to force it over uh brad for you the straight shot like is there a disc that you have like you feel like is that a shot that's still you're two years in still a little frightening sometimes? Yeah. I mean, I'm getting there, but it's not consistent. I mean, I'm throwing two out of 10 maybe where I want it to go on a straight tunnel shot and you know, it's just not accurate. And I can't really, it's really finding the disc for me, right? It's, I don't have the confidence with any particular disc in my bag to go just dead laser straight, maybe finish a little right. Just don't have the disc yet. Yeah. And that's, and it's a, it's almost like a relationship that you form with that disc. So I, I know, and I feel that Sean, that you're like, yeah, that's the origin for me. That's what it does. But the thing about this Griffin disc and what we really want to focus on here is that your relationship is not with the origin. The reason you feel comfortable with that shot, I believe, is because it's that origin. It's not the mold. So if we're you go out and play tomorrow, you throw that origin, and something goes horrifically wrong. Like you're in the middle of your backswing, and then all of a sudden, like this baby comes running through the woods, and it's just like, wow. And you're like, what? And then you shank it. You pull it over, and it's like, oh, no, the origin's gone. We've already talked about that's going to be a scary moment for you, and you know that moment's coming, so you're trying to prep for it. But once again, and something that we've seen in your bag, you have a lot of discs that are very beat in. So that's good because there's a there's a beauty, y'all, to having a disc and building that relationship with it, spending time with it, throwing it over and over again, and watching it season in. That's a whole, like, that's a beauty in itself. The problem is... When you build that, you 
learn to lean on this disc and this Griffin disc almost as like a crutch of what happens if this disc goes away. So what we want to suggest here is interesting because when we look at episode one, we had a we had an actual hole in the bag of a uh, not a literal hole for all of you linguistic people out there. We had a a hole of concept where a shots weren't covered. Sean has the shot. He's already described it, and he's describing a shot that a lot of beginners don't have. So I love that. But what we want to get you is we want to get you a disc that you don't have to Sean McCormick this thing and throw it for two years and be like, now it's perfect. We want you to be able to walk up and be like, hey, I want to practice this shot in the field. So I have five discs that I went out and bought, and now they do that. Because that way, not only are you going to find more confidence on the course because you get more comfortable with that shot, but it's not just that disc doing the shot for you. Sean's no longer afraid of if I lose that disc. It could be a moment where you're like, yeah, this is sick. I am a pro at the straight shot because I have blank. So the two discs that we want to recommend, we want to recommend the disc in that super understable slot. Now for varying arm speeds and for some people, a really understable disc is going to help you in that slot. And for other people, you don't need a disc that's quite that understable. So the two discs I have Brad go out and try are a Latitude 64 Fuse and a MVP Uplink. So Brad, you went out and threw those. Let's hear about them, how they fly. So as you all know, I've been a 100% disc craft only bag for such a long time. And, you know, I've heard about the gyro technology, right? It's just almost a meme at this point, right? But um, I was excited. I was excited to throw some gyro. I, ha I haven't to this point. And then also, um, you know, the fuse and optoplastic, you know, I feel these discs all the time at the warehouse and moving around the, the store and everything. So it was nice to go out and chuck them in a the field, actually. So um, I made some notes. You know, this is kind of an experiment when me and uh, Robbie do this, right? He says, hey, try these discs. Make sure you know X, Y, and Z. He always has me throw them, you know, from backhand. I'm a primary backhand player, so I'm throwing them from flat release. I'm throwing them from a hyzer release and anhyzer release as well. Uh, and then, you know, the ironic part about this is Robbie said, you know, you can throw these forehand if you want, but you don't have to for this one. And I was like, well, for the sake of science, you know, you know, science rules. Thanks, Bill Nye. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to throw them on forehand. My forehand's trash. That's fine. But what does it do for me? Someone who maybe doesn't have a forehand, maybe that'll help someone. Uh, that's where I found the most beauty in these discs, by the way, ironically enough. So we'll get to that at the end. Um, let's talk about from backhand though. Backhand, uh, and I did throw these, uh, Robbie specifically asked me to throw, hey, throw like a medium power and then throw full power on each of these releases just to see what they do for you. So uh, first shot is backhand, flat release, medium power. Um, both of these discs, um, I was about 75% power or so, uh, dead straight. I mean, beautiful. They didn't take a lot of, I didn't have to get behind them a lot to get make them go pretty far. I mean, the um, the fuse went about 190 feet. I measured them on UDIS, so for whatever that's worth. worth. And then the uplink went about 210, actually. Um, the uplink, what I will, will say about it, is it did want to just get up and glide, and it just wanted to stay in the air forever for me. Uh, it did want to finish a little bit right, but not too much, not uncontrollable. It was like a very steady, very smooth fade at the end there. Um, the fuse, though, uh, it did go 190 feet. It did seem to want to get to the ground a little faster at the end for me, but nothing too exaggerated. Um, both through pretty dead straight, maybe landed a little right, 
for each of them, but uh, the the uplink definitely outshone the outshined outshone yeah. the uh, the fuse. Uh, in, as far as the glide and the distance, I had to get out of that. Uh, now, full power on flat release, we can probably guess what happened. It went about 100 feet, turned, and burned for, for both of those, right? That is not a full power disc. Even for my arm speed, it's not a full power disc. Uh, not on flat release, anyway. So what I did next was uh, high as a release. Now, I, I've watched enough videos and listened to enough disc golf that I know these are supposed to hyzer flip, right? So... and. If I'm being 100% honest, not a shot that I really have or one I've started to see on accident sometimes. Um, so I really put a lot of effort into making sure my release and angle was not ex super exaggerated, just enough hyzer that I thought, hey, these will flip up, right? Uh, but I did try them. I didn't expect them to flip up so easy from even like a mid-power shot. But I threw them both about 75% power, a uh, little bit of hyzer angle. They both did this like beautiful flip up to flat shot. Um, and then just kind of went straight. They didn't want to roll out to the right so much on high release, and they really didn't want it to like burn out to the left. Uh, what I did realize or did notice was the uplink had kind of like a more smooth, um, subtle flip up, so it took a little longer to flip up for me. Uh, whereas the fuse did kind of a quicker flip up, huh. uh, and then when it got to the end, it did. It didn't finish left so don't hear me saying it, it's stable there it didn't finish way left but it did finish like a slight bit left compared to the uplink that really still kind of finished straight uh, i did on that hyzer uh, angle and flip up the uplink went about 100 uh, 260 feet for me so uh, a decent dis distance and um you know if i'm thinking back to you know my bag and some shots i'm missing um i'm usually powering going to like a fairway driver for that distance for me. And then obviously I get the skipping problem, right? When I'm throwing up and trying to land a shot near the basket. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, I could really use a disc like this that I could, I could put some power on, but it's gonna glide and kind of sit down mm -hmm. at the end and not skip all over the place. Especially if I'm on, you know, the, a lot of courses around here where we're on a hill, we're on a ledge, we're near a tree, there's, there's OB over here, right? So um, I really wanna sit down and that, that really made me think about that shot that I don't have in my bag. Um, now, full power on Heiser, um, they both flipped up really quickly, but and then they started to, they wanted to pull over right, right? So there was a nice right, right, right. Um, it was like um, not a good amount uh, at all. Uh, so it was it was more of like, oh, this is gonna be nice. Oh, there it goes, <laughs> see you later. Yeah, uh, it didn't, they, on the hyzer angle, hyzer angle, they didn't really wanna turn, they didn't turn and burn for me, but they did flip up and just kept going right. Maybe there's a, a use for that eventually, but you know, not in my game at this at this time. But that uh, minimum power, or mid power, the 75% power flip up was great for me. Um, backhand Anheuser, I made the note. My note literally says, "What do you think happened?" So um, Anheuser release turn and burned. It was just an unusable shot, unless you, I guess you wanted to throw a roller with this thing, which honestly went about 150 feet. Not useful for me. Maybe it's useful to somebody out there, but not not a shot for this disc, in my opinion, in my little opinion here. So um, that's the backhand stuff, Robbie. If you want to make a comment on that, and yeah. then I can dive into forehand here. Yeah. So I want to like so hearing that description sounds like it's that softer to really make these discs shine because they're so naturally understable. It's not a full power throw. Now, Correct. Sean, your origin. Do you often throw it at full power, or what kind of like power are you looking at for that disc? <clears throat> Full power, well, I power down on it probably 90% of the time. Never really full power because if it, I throw it full power, it's going to turn and burn way to the right. 
and I'm not looking to do that. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like in terms of style of throw, very comfortable, right? Or very similar, I guess. Very, very, very soft, probably 60, 70% power. It's very controllable. And uh, I'll ask you this question, Sean. So you lean on that shot, that 60, 70% power shot, Brad, before before I dive into that, Brad, is that a shot? Do you often find yourself throwing a softer power shot while you're on the course? No, no. I'm I'm usually trying to like get something. I'm either I'm in this weird middle ground, right? I'm not really throwing a ton of mids. That we talked about that on the first episode. I'm either powering, going, moving up my bag and speed, and trying to power down and compensate for the the stability, or I'm trying to power down or go down in my bag to like a putter or approach disc and really trying to crank on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's not accurate. And I didn't mention that in the backhand portion of this, I will, I felt like I was extremely accurate. I felt like I was shooting a bow out there. Like I was just, I was just laying him where I, you know, it's, it's the power, right? It's a, it's a finesse shot. And I don't have a finesse shot from like the 200 foot range. Yeah. And I love that you even mentioned the soft landing right? Like that's, that's Mm. what we love about this kind of shot. And so Sean, when you're throwing this softer origin shot, do you often find yourself throwing this in like an open field or is it a lot more of like woods, tighter line golf? Mainly woods. When I'm out in the open, I tend to power up like my tomb. I'm throwing that in an open field anywhere between a hundred to 250 feet. Yeah, and you partially because like right there's a bigger room for miss, right, so you're allowed yeah. to put that juice behind it, and mm-hmm. even then you pro- might be able to even switch to that rock three and even maybe take some off, right? Depending yep, on exactly. It. Yeah. So with the origin, like the beauty of this shot is like it's a soft thing because when you're in the woods, full power shots in the woods never a good idea. Like I don't care who you are. I took a I took a four at league this past week. Because I stepped up to like a 250-foot hole, and I was like, I'm a beast. I'm about to rip this thing. And I hit first available, and I just looked at my card, and I was like, that was so silly, Dennis. What What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, I took a seven doing that at League Tuesday. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we, we were fellow brothers in terms yeah. of uh, full-power shots. So, you don't need a full-power shot here. And it sounds like, once again, guys, conceptually, Sean has the shot. He has the shot. Mm-hmm. But what we want to do is we want to take this shot and make it work with a disc that maybe isn't there. And as we're seeing, like as Brad's describing this, and that's the two different levels of stability that we're talking about. But Brad, I want to hear about this forehand. Okay, this forehand surprised me. Uh, again, for the sake of science. Science? Um, science. I went out and I was like, okay, I am going to throw these forehands for this. Um you know, I'm kind of in this forehand. I'm trying to get a forehand off the tee. So I have a little skip, you know, not really like a run-up or anything. But I do have a little skip and skip and flick, if you will. Um, so I was trying that. And then, you know, I mean, it, they were just, they were burning over. I mean, they were they were just like flipping over and it, they were garbage. And I was like, okay, well, this is why Robbie t- told me not to. Um, I picked the uplink up off the ground. And I was just, I was just kind of like flicking it back up to where the other discs were. And I just gave it a little toss. I didn't move. It was just a standstill. It, and I put it on hyzer unintentionally. And it just flipped up perfectly, beautifully, went straight, and faded out a little left. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, so I picked it up, and I did it again. And I was like, okay. I picked it up, and I did it again. I picked up the fuse, did it with that. And I was like, well, this is really interesting because 
I'm thinking of some of the courses I play around here. Um, you know, I'll throw a, a bad shot off the tee. I'm over in the woods over here. There's trees everywhere. Um, I can't do a backhand. I'm going to break my hand. All I have is a really, I have, I can lean out and do a forehand approach shot. Now here's the problem. The basket's not to the right. I need it to be to the right. This basket is to the left, right? So I'm like, what do I do here? Usually I just throw something up close. I have to throw and I'm going to try to putt from 80 feet. I'm going to miss it and I'm going to take a bogey. That's usually the scenario that plays out. But I'm like, what if I took this up link and I lean out, give it a little bit of hyzer. I don't have to step. I'm, I'm, in, I'm tight quarters, so it's okay. Um, just give it a little bit of flick. It'll pop up. It doesn't take a lot to get it up to speed. And I can finish left and then I have a putt for par and I'm out of trouble. Um, so this field that I was practicing in had some lacrosse nets kind of just scattered about. So I'm like, okay, that's my basket. I'm going to give myself, I put myself in an angle where, okay, I'm going to give it a little hyzer. Now I will say this with a caveat. If I put it on too much hyzer or too much anhyzer, or I gave it a little too much, um, power, it's, it's unusable. But again, the finesse shot here that we're talking about, um, I was able every time to get both of these discs, the fuse and the uplink, to flip up to, for me to flat from forehand and either finish dead straight, depending on the angle I put it on, the hyzer angle, or would finish to the left for me. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, this is from like 150 feet, so we're not too far out here, right? I'm not putting a lot of power. In my notes, I said about 40% power max yep. before it got a little uncontrollable. Um, but from standstill, this, I mean, such a usable shot for me, a shot I didn't even realize I didn't have mm. until I accidentally discovered it out in the field. So um, maybe not Robbie's intended purpose for me trying this disc, but hey, um, hey, if it's good, keep it in the bag, right? So this this may win the award of the first non-discraft disc to go in my bag. I am in love with it. Um, because of what Robbie said, it's given me not just that forehand that I have that I'm describing, but it's giving me this tunnel shot I can throw. It's giving me a hyzer flip shot I can do. I can even probably, if I really need to throw something, Annie, I think I can probably make this go right for me if I need to. Um, this is really the gap in my bag and maybe the mid-range spot that I keep trying to find with my meteor that's just not there with my meteor. Oh. So for what it's worth, I... I love this disc. Uh, a gentleman came in here to the shop when I was over here earlier today uh, doing some inventory and stuff. And he was like, hey, you know, I'm a primary forehand player, but I really need something that will go left. And I was like, hey, buddy, I got a disc for you. I got two discs for you. And I showed him, and he loved the feel and took him out the door. So um, thank you, Robbie, for sharing, having me try these discs because I, I'm kind of in love with this uplink. And uh, here's, here's the one thing I forgot to mention. Um, if I had to choose a winner, which we're going to try to, we're going to choose a winner every week now on which disc I like the best. Um, Uplink's my winner. The only thing that really separated these two for me, they both feel good in the hand. Uh, this optoplastic that Robbie had me try for my hands is a little slick. I did have a couple slip outs that I didn't like. The gyro, the overmold on this uh, did make me feel really comfortable and it gave me some nice grip for both shots that I wanted to do. I did feel like I had some control. I'm still kind of throwing a fan grip on my mid-ranges and it really felt comfortable in my hands. So for that reason, the uplink's the winner for me. And uh, Sean, Courtesy of Foundation Disc, um, you're going to be getting this uplink, this particular one. I'm going to be sending it out to you here after this podcast. So um, the Fuse, we're going to be donating to those, uh, one of our listeners. So comment below, what, what uh, disc in your bag is the Fuse replacing for you? So 
uh, thanks, Robbie, for having me try those. I really loved them, and thanks for showing me I have a, yet another hole in my bag. Hey, that's figuratively. Like figurative. Once again, well, no literal holes here for all of you haters mm-hmm. out there. But Sean, thinking about that, like that forehand flick, that forehand upshot, is that something that you've ever like in desperation had to try, or is that a shot that you were like, oh yeah, I've I've, I've thought about trying that before. In desperation, I've tried it, but it failed miserably. It's a it's a shot that Brad's right takes a ton of touch, and you have to finesse it. I don't have that shot, but it's certainly with this uplink. Once I get it, it's something I'm going to try, and I can't yeah. wait to try and fill that shot in my bag too. Yeah, and here's the best part about it is, and this is kind of Robbie's point, and I'm seeing this more and more as we're working through different types of bags. You can go pick this uplink up at foundationdisc.com or wherever, and it's going to fly this way off the shelf. And you're not going to beat this in for two years. So you can buy five of these or three of these, and you can practice and have that finesse versus having these Griffin, if you will, <laughs> discs that, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I love that, and I love the point here. So, yeah, you can grab some of these, practice that finesse shot, and have these reliable disc off the shelf so if you lose it in a pond or in a tree or a bear runs off with it then you can just go pick up another one and if a bear's running off with your disc you're playing in the wrong place uh just stop that's uh, true that that's is, also oh, true you have made a mistake uh we are it plast it's not that fun uh it is not that great of a game <laughs> so just hear me say that uh sean gyro looking at your bag you don't have any gyro in your bag I don't, no. is there <laughs> curiosity like how does it make you feel that you have a gyro disc on your way that you're suddenly going to start throwing 500 feet because you have gyro in your bag well if it makes me throw 500 feet i'm going to have nothing but gyro in my bag um <laughs> <laughs> i really don't care what the disc is as long as i throw it good that's all that matters right hey hey man, say it louder for the people in the bag yeah. if it's good Keep in the bag, right? Yeah, you don't have to spend two hundred dollars on a disc, (laughs) right? Exactly. If it gets you the birds or gets you the pars, even get you those par putts. That's that's what we're looking for, dude. Sean, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on again. Uh, We are super (laughs) grateful for you, man. And uh, would you be willing to let us follow up with you in a couple weeks to hear how things are going with the uplink? Of course. Come on, dude. Well, hey, That's thank you awesome. for coming on. We really do appreciate you, and uh, we hope that you uh, you find love with this disc and that, you know, we check up. And you're oh, like, he will. He will. You're like, man, I just I throw that forehand touch shot. Like, I throw it into the basket now. It's so easy. <laughs> if I throw it like Brad does, I'm taking the origin out and throwing nothing but the uplink. <laughs> Come on. Let's see it. Come on. Let's but see no. It. Well, Sean, uh, thanks, Sean. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Brad, everybody at Foundation for having me on. I uh, can't wait to Touch base with you in a couple weeks. Absolutely. Sounds great, man. Thank you. Uh, We appreciate you, man. All right. Bye. Brad, I just get more excited about the possibility of bringing more people on and getting to talk through those parts of their bag. Me too. Because it's it's not like, I don't think that we're shattering anyone's universe with the knowledge that we're dropping here. But it's so different when you watch a video of this is a good idea or you see something, this is a good idea. It's entirely different when we're talking about your bag specifically and your discs. And I think it's, I I really want to highlight that I really like the shot selection that Sean had 
but yeah. I can't say it enough. Just because you have the shot doesn't mean you have the right disc for it. You could be working way harder mm-hmm. than you need. And I mean, I don't know if you were raised on this, Brad, but like my parents raised me on work smarter, not harder. Oh, right? yeah. And I think the trend that we saw in his bag, and maybe this is a good overarching theme that he can remember as it goes forward, but I just noticed every disc he was talking about, this disc is really beat in. That's why I like it. This disc is really beat in. This disc is really beat in. So I think maybe we're helping him before he really gets to this really bad spot in his bag where everything's, and he's going to have to redo his whole entire bag. So maybe this is a thought process he can take going forward as he's maybe looking at other discs and saying, hey, what's out of the box maybe beat in or flippy or flies this way that I want it to versus like I'm going to spend a year and a half or since 2019 beating in a disc to get it to a certain way. So yeah, I think this is a great, uh, a great segment. Hopefully everyone listening, you know, I know for me, I'm not really thinking, I'm thinking about how they fly off the shelf for me, but I think my process is, okay, I know how they're supposed to fly for a normal person off the shelf, but how are they going to fly for me with my arm speed off the shelf? So absolutely. And that's what, that's what we want to help you guys with is I think one of the like I cannot state it enough, Brad, I'm grateful for you heading out to the field and testing these things out Of course, because it's, it's different. If I throw it, it's different. If uh, then you have like the next year, right? Like you watch a Calvin or a Brody throw a disc. Wow. Mm. They're doing things with them Frisbees that I would never imagine. No, not even close. And I'm doing things with a Frisbee that are still different than the average player. And so mm-hmm. there's just a, yeah, it's very helpful that you're getting out there and testing it, and I really appreciate your feedback. But you mentioned pulling it off the shelf. Speaking of them shelves, what's new in the Foundation Warehouse? All right, so our warehouse right now is a mess because, um, ironically enough, we talked about Raptors last week. But So when this comes out, this is Friday, so these have probably already are just released. Uh, they release at 5 p.m. on Friday. This podcast comes in at 5, pre- 5 p.m. on Friday. So go get them. Um, here we go. Raptorius, the captain's raptor here for everybody. Um, sorry, I said captain's raptor. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Raptorius <laughs> raptor. Uh, this is our foundation Raptorius stamp. Yuli would like to dispute. Yeah, yeah. I want to get flamed by Yuli in the comments here. But no, this is a Raptorius raptor. Uh, it's a Z metallic swirl. I don't know if you can see it a little bit there. There's some sheer there. Pretty. Beautiful. I love this matte, like teal blue stamp that's coming out. Um, these boys are beef, beef, beef. They. I threw them today out when I uh, threw these other discs in. They're, they're so much more stable than the uh, Raptors that I throw in my bag. But they're good uh, for all you forehand guys, for all you people that can throw more overstable discs. This is great for you. Here's a sneak preview of some of the misprints. Now, if you're a Heiser Club member, you're the only folks who are going to have access to these uh, misprints. So if you haven't joined the Heiser Club, now's the time. You think this one's cool? There's so many, yeah, there's so many uh, cool versions of these. I have a whole stack of them over there. Um, just join the Heiser Club. You'll be able to see all of them. So. Yeah. You'll, and those are being held for the Heiser Club members only. So there's some sick, sick double stamping, triple stamping, inverted stamping. It's just, they're wild. So uh, I'm pumped. And there's only 75 of them. Actually, no, 65 of them. So you want to join and you want to join now. Again, Heiser Club also gets um, early access to these discs. So if you're in the Heiser Club, you're listening to the show, pause, go over and get your discs, come back and listen to us, please. Um, as far as other discs in the warehouse, um, I know I had some comments in the uh, below last week about the Domi Race. Those are up on the site now. They may not be available by the time this comes out, but we, this is, we're filming this on Tuesday. They were put up today. So uh, all of our Innova restock is up on the website. So you can find that, Robbie. 
There you go. Um, we're expecting a new Discraft shipment in tomorrow, so those may be uh, be up in time for uh, this podcast airing, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, the cool thing about Discraft with us is they send out whatever they would like from our wish list. So it's a surprise. It's like Christmas every time we get a Discraft shipment in. So um, have some new uh, EV7. We have the Drew Gibson and Matt Bell tour series discs that just came out. Uh, a lot of new Prodigy, the Reverb, the Distortion, the Kevin Jones signature line are out. We have some Glow PA1s that are sick. Um, yeah. And uh, actually, uh, Prodigy's new Spectrum plastic came out as well. I think that's releasing this Friday as well, if I'm, I may be mistaken. But that's out as well. You'll see that up soon. So a lot of new stuff. We keep uh, cycling through things. What's nice about the retail store here is we're cycling through our plastic a lot more frequently, and we're getting new stuff in more frequently than we have in the past. So I love it. That's kind of the update for me. But yeah, again, keep an eye out for these uh, Raptorious Raptors. Not these ones. These are the misprint ones. But these ones are going to be available. Um, they're going to be available in the retail store Thursday prior to this podcast doesn't help you all out, but uh, I'm sure we'll see some of those on uh, on Disc, uh, Discraft collector groups and stuff. You'll all be able to get your hands on those uh, for a price, right? Oh. Um, but Road yeah, trip. Yeah, right. Yeah, Robert, you need to come up and see the store anyway. So Come on. Uh, yeah, great. So yeah, I think this week is a great episode. Again, any of these discs we talk about today, you can grab at foundationdisc.com. Uh, again, thank you, Foundation. We're going to do- donate this over to Sean. Uh, so he'll be able to throw this. We'll check in with him in a couple weeks, Robbie, and yeah, see how absolutely. he's doing. Uh, comment below. What does the fuse replace in your bag? And Robbie, I'm going to let you have the honors. Robbie's going to pick someone, and we're going to send this out to you as well. I And I'll tell you guys, I like jokes. So say something funny alongside your comment, and the odds of me, odds of me picking it go a lot higher. So, Brad, thank you for everything you do. Thank you, Foundation, for the opportunity to be here on the Foundation Podcast Network. Make sure you go check out some of the other podcasts that we've got going mm-hmm. here. And as always, y'all, we want to make sure we remind you, if it's good, keep it in the keep bag. Keep it in the bag. We'll see you next time. See you guys.